Thank the Lord for his power this morning. I said, thank the Lord for his power this morning. If you don't know who I am, I didn't just come out from the back of the stage. <laughs> Name is Pastor Mike. And, uh, and I love this. We don't, we're, we're, not as, we're not this organized, but you guys just sung about uh, power. And uh, I titled this morning's message, I Take Power for Granted. And so um, God loves you. And he has something special for you. And so before you're seated, loud and proud, Fervent Church, let's say this together. Say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're being seated, push the person next to you and say, stay awake. It's going to be good. This is going to be good. It's been a good season for us as a church, actually. Um, this morning, we, uh, we just celebrated as a link group, and this are our, these little communities that we have here at Fervent Church. Link group last night, they fed um, a few dozen homeless people in Camden last night. Um, that on top of, yeah, give it up for that. That on top of um, today, we're going to be collecting about 150 Thanksgiving meals for people in need in our community. Half of you appreciate that. And, and, and 50 of those, more than 50 of those meals are going to refugee families in our area. Now, why do I say that? I say that because, like, that's, that's what we're about. We're being the church. We're not just checking off a box on a Sunday morning saying we're, we did church. No, we're being the church 24-7, and that's an exciting thing because I believe in the power of God. I do. I believe in the power of God. And thank you so much. Last week, um, these guys held it down. And last week, my wife and I, we went away to uh, L.A. for a pastor's conference. And uh, we had two, two things we prayed for. We prayed for to be refueled and reminded. And God answered our prayers. And, uh, but one of the things is, can I talk to some of the, uh, the older crowd here? Um, I'm at this place in my parenting where um, my kids are more and more independent, and it makes me sad. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And so I'm texting them like, hey, you guys cool? And it's like I'm bothering them. We got it, Dad, because we left them here with their grandparents, right? And my mom, she's, a, she's, not a, she's not a helicopter mom at all, so I knew that I still had to be the helicopter dad on the, other, on the other coast, on the best coast, might I remind us. The best coast, might I remind us. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm texting them, I got it, Dad, I got it, Dad, because I miss and I long for the days where I was super dad, you know? When they came to me, he's like, Dad, can you fix this? And I acted like it was an inconvenience, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Boom. Fix it. Go. Thanks, Dad. Awesome. Super Dad. You know, like, love that moment. Or I even love the moment where when my wife, she can't open up a jar in the kitchen, you know, and she'll go, oh, babe, can you open this for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Open it up. Put it down. Thanks, babe. I know. Super Dad. And I walk out the kitchen just feeling proud of myself. But now I'm in this season where they... They're taking away my cape at home. I don't have the cape anymore. I'm not super dad. Hey, do you need help? Nope, I don't need help with my homework. I got it. Okay. And then even the worst is when the husband's in the front because it sympathizes with this. Like when my wife's mad at me, it's hard for you to ask for help when you're mad at someone. Right? So then when she's mad at me in the kitchen and she, I could see her struggling with the jar, you need help with that? No, I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, when you're mad. 
And I'm, and this all happened this week, by the way, vulnerability. And, and I'm like, come on, God, like I'm missing, I long, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I miss and long for those days when I was super dad and I was the person that they came, you know, and came to the rescue for certain things. And, and you ever had God tell you these, oh, really moments? You know, oh, oh, really? Oh, really? You hate it that they don't go to you anymore because they're independent. Oh, you hate it that she's not asking you for your help because she's angry. Oh, oh, really? Oh, really? That's how I feel. That's how I feel because when you're mad at me or when you're mad at people, you don't come to me. When you're independent and you got you, you're talented and you could do this and you could do that, you don't come to me and you don't experience my power. Because you might be super dad down there, but I'm super God everywhere. So, oh, really? You don't like it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, God, thanks. Kick me while I'm down while you're at it, you know? But in that, in that vein, I think that as we're closing this series up, and we're, all the pastors came up and we're, you know, preaching through our vulnerability um, of things we take for granted because it's hard for you to give thanks for things you take for granted. And... I want to talk today about how I, we, take the power of God for granted. Take the power of God for granted. And, and I got a bunch of verses for you, so all the Bible geeks, you're going to be really excited this morning. But a bunch of verses for you, and, and, uh, and specifically, I want us to just pay attention to the book of Acts, because in the book of Acts, it was, it was the birth of the church. It was before we were just a twinkle in God's eye. It was a fervent soul. He started the church, and, and listen to the, to the phrasing and the explanation of the function of the church in the book of Acts. We start right there in Acts 1.8, and it says this, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Some of us are familiar with that. Three chapters later, Acts 4, and it says, and with great power. The apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus, Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Again, we see power. Two chapters later, a guy named Stephen, who was declared the first martyr in the church, and he was a deacon in the church. And watch what the, watch what the Bible says about him. About him, it says this, and Stephen, full of grace and power. I love having a literate church full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Do you see this power? And then it doesn't stop there. So the, all the, you hear power, 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 all in the, the church of Acts. And then, and then Paul, the apostle Paul, he starts talking to the church of Corinth, and he starts speaking power over them. One of my favorite times where he tells them in 1 Corinthians 4.20, he says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Come on. But in power. Again, we see that word. And even Jesus walked this earth. He empowered us. He did. In Mark 11, do you remember what he said? He said, if you have faith, you could tell this mountain to throw itself in the sea. Do you understand the power and the potency that we have as people of God? Lastly, Proverbs 18:21, And that this muscle that we have between our teeth has power. Proverbs 18:21 says this, death and life are in the... This is how y'all said that. Power. Power. No, death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. And those who live it will eat its fruits. Power, 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 over and over and over again. And it makes me wonder that if we read the Bible, if we read the Bible, wouldn't we get the impression that God's people should be powerful? Wouldn't you really, if you really read the Bible, wouldn't you get the impression, if this is, imagine, just kind of, if you could just wipe out your brain for a second, read the Bible for the very first time, wouldn't you get the impression, whoa, these people are no joke. No joke. Yes, they're facing persecution. Yes, they're, they're, they're losing people left and right. Things are being taken away from them. They're in bondage. However, these guys are singing in jails and the walls are coming down. However, it doesn't matter what you throw at these people, their tenacity and their persistence and their faith is powerful. Why? Because they serve a powerful God. We sang here for a while. There's power in the name of Jesus. But this is our posture. Power. Hurry up. Power. Come on. I wonder, wouldn't you get the impression that the Christian life should be a powerful life? But here in America, we take that for granted. Right? Because here's what we do. We leave church if somebody rolls, our eye, rolls their eyes at us. And I can't imagine going up to heaven and telling Stephen, yeah, some people left the church because, you know, somebody rolled their eyes or they didn't like the song. And did oh, really? Um, you know how I left the church? I was stoned to death. I might have a hard time telling Stephen, like, hey, you know, we're having issues. No, no, no. You don't know issues, boo. That's how Stephen talks to me. Boo, you don't know issues. So when, you, when we read these scriptures, we can, we can understand that, that right off the bat, all the scriptures that I read, we could all walk away today with four things that you're strong and you have power in. You ready? First thing is this. We have the power to tell all types of people about Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. You have the power to tell all types of people about Jesus, people far from God, people who are on the fence with their faith, all types of people. Why? Because the Bible says that you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit to be a witness to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. You, the Holy Spirit, his primary focus in the beginning wasn't just empower us to have cool services. It wasn't to empower us to have a good sing-along. It was to empower us to be a witness to lost people in South Jersey. So you have the power to tell all types of people about Jesus. second thing, what we read is that you have the power to show people God. Show people God. Again, a deacon named Stephen. The Bible says signs and wonders. Why? Not to give himself glory, but to give God glory. Hello? We have the opportunity to live in that power. And I'm not talking about casting out demons from 50 feet. I'm talking about just the power of grace. Just the power of just forgiving someone who feels unforgivable. That's how we show God. Because what did Paul say to the Corinthian church? Hey, this is not a kingdom of talk. This is a kingdom of power. Church does really well with the talking, but not really well with the power. Third thing is that we have the power to move obstacles. Isn't that what Jesus said? Tell this mountain to go from here to there. And whether you, you believe that literally or symbolically, like, to think about it, we have the opportunity to tell, to petition God, to access God's authority to remove obstacles. Because either we believe in the Bible or we don't. Either we believe in the power for God or we don't. There's no in-between. And the fourth thing is that we have the power to speak life. We have the power to speak life. We also have the power to speak death. So when I ask you to respond to my message, I'm just asking you to speak life. Right? 
Do you understand the potency of encouragement nowadays in South Jersey? To like, what if, what if the people of God were on guard and we're looking, who am I going to empower with life today at Wawa? Can the presence of God be at Wawa? Yes, it is at Wawa. It is at Starbucks. It's even at 7-Eleven. We'll allow it. <laughs> or the Sev is what my kids call it, the Sev. Right? You, you, to go out and just to look for people to encourage. When was the last time you encouraged your spouse? You either get conviction of the Holy Spirit or the elbow. I'm waiting for one of the two. Encourage your kids. There's power in life and death in the tongue, folks. There's power in life and death in the tongue, church. There's power in life and death in the tongue. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 1.7, many of you are familiar with this. It says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. What if, write this down, what if God didn't give you potential, he gave you power? We think God gave us potential. No, 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 boo. I'm talking to you like Stephen talks to me. He didn't give you potential. He gave you power. I don't think God will waste his time giving you potential. He gave you power. But what church is here, we're waiting for some, someone to push our potential energy off the table to, for us to do something. God didn't give you potential. He gave you power. And I hope that encourages you today because how, how are our actions and our attitude towards people, towards life, reflecting this God-ordained power that he gave us? How is it reflected? And spoiler alert, we're not reflecting it well. Honestly, I'm not reflecting it well as I could. I believe that when we don't live out the power of God, when we're not grateful, if every single morning I wake up and I acknowledge that the power of God is living in my life, not potential but actual power, it produces three things that I want to talk about this morning. Who's taking notes? Come on. The only way to stay out of purgatory is taking notes. That's bad theology. But it helps me out this morning. The first thing is this. Tender, tender theology. When we don't thank God for his power, we don't live in his power, I believe that it produces tender theology. You know what I mean by tender? It's weak. It's there. There's some substance to it. But in other words, it can't take a hit. I almost wanted it because I'm a preacher and I use alliteration. I, almost wanted, I wanted to call it weak, weak chin theology. It can't take a hit. It's tender. And the reason that we, I believe that we live this out is because with all of our backgrounds, especially me, I started off my faith journey as a Catholic. And so I went from being a Catholic to Southern Baptist. Any Southern Baptist people in the house? Southern Baptist Church, then a black Baptocostal church, then a Spanish Pentecostal church, and then I started hanging out with white people, and it just got all messed up. <laughs> but listening and hearing all these, these different versions of theology and, and denominations and thoughts, it, if I'm honest with you, it kind of made me feel as though, it gave me the impression, it gave me the picture that God was a weak God. It did. Give me the impression that God was going to My room couldn't be blessed. As a Catholic, my room couldn't be blessed unless I had that really creepy, skinny white guy hanging over me. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Any former Catholics in the house? You had the cross over your, your bed. Right? My room wasn't blessed until I had that cross on there. Like, really? Is, the, is it that fragile? You know? 
Or, or at times certain songs had to be sung in church. If not, you, you missed out on the holy moment. There was one church I went to that you couldn't have drums because the drums are of the devil. Right? And all these different things. And it made me, it gave me personally, I'm just being honest, it gave me this impression that God was a weak God. Because what we try to do is we try to create these, these holy moments and, and preserve these holy moments. Because if we mess up the holy moments, then we mess up the power of God. Oh, I'm preaching to myself. We mess up the power of God. And when I look at scripture, there are times where God actually had to tell people, hey, you're missing it. This is a holy moment. This right here is a holy moment. And, and the reason that we missed that it's a holy moment and here's why. This is going to be a big quote on the, on the screen, but I, I just want you to write the last part down. Is that we put a natural limitation on a supernatural promise. We put a natural limitation on a supernatural promise. Why? Because our theology, when our theology, and what, what does the word theology mean? It means a study of God, which we should just say it's a study of power. That was good. It should say it's a study of power. Thank you, Barry. It's life and death in the tongue. It should be a study on power, real power. If he's the ultimate power, if he's the king of kings, if he's the Lord of lords, if he's the beginning and the end, if nothing can be produced without him, then it shouldn't just be a study of God. It should be a study of power. My Pentecostals in the room make noise. So it limits us, and then we never live in the fullness of God's power. Why? Because we put natural limitations on a supernatural promise. And again, there's this great story in Exodus where Moses is in a transition in his life, so God had to talk to him through a burning bush. And I love this part of the story, and it says this, where through the burning bush, God was talking to him, and he said this, do not come near, take your sandals off, for the place you are standing is holy ground. God had to tell him that this was holy ground. It wasn't recognizable to the naked eye. And I wonder, because we don't live in the potency of God, that we miss out. And we think that, well, the power of God needs to exist with the piano playing behind it, right? And the power of God needs to exist with Barry's voice leading the charge, right? Or the, the power of God needs to exist when we're in these four walls. When maybe we're missing holy moments dare I say, in Dunkin' Donuts. Maybe we're missing holy moments, dare I say, at your workplace. Maybe we're missing holy moments when you're arguing with your spouse. And that if we're open to it, that the power of God can pierce even those moments. Because it's no longer just a study of God, it's a study of power. It's a study of power. And Moses had to be told this. And we say this verse all the time, you know, the, at First John. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, all, all my athletes, we put that on our socks and, and inside our brims of our hats, and, and, and we live out that way. But, but think about that concept, right? He's great. So the humble police, you know, put your sirens down for a second. So they're like, I don't like this sermon. It doesn't sound very humble. I'm stupid. I am weak. I am a knucklehead. I am broken. However, however, God's dope. And he does dope things. Yes, I got urban here in Sewell. <laughs> he's amazing and he's strong and he's powerful, right? So can you agree that God is greater than me? 
Put that up on the screen because I need to keep everybody's attention. God is greater than me. Can everybody agree with that? Say amen. I'm going to teach y'all to respond. I'm gonna, that's, that's my goal today. Teach y'all to respond. God is greater than me. Everybody agree. Say amen. amen. All right. Can you agree that God is greater than evil? Okay. That God is greater than evil. So why don't you believe that you're greater than evil? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when I was writing this, I was writing this out, and I, and I started putting it out. I put God plus me, and the Holy Spirit kind of convicted me. No, no, I don't add to your life, baby. I multiply it. I increase it. I take you from glory to glory. So God multiplied in me makes me greater than evil. So why is it that we portray this Jesus to the world that feels like it could, people can contaminate Jesus? No, no, no. Jesus contaminates people. And how do I know this exists? Two times this week, this, this frustrated me, and it made me almost beat myself up for it. Two times this week, some guys in our church had some pretty decent moral failings. And they came to me and they said, I don't know if I'm allowed to come to Fervent Church anymore. Twice from two different people. And I told them, I said, no, 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 you still come to church. We don't have tender theology here. We don't have tender theology here. This is a hospital, not a social club. He came for the sick. And I don't believe that your sin can contaminate the grace of God. No, it's the grace of God that contaminates our sin, that washes us white as snow. And I walked away kind of beating myself up. What? I haven't preached it enough. We haven't lived it enough. Or in fact, maybe, maybe people aren't walking away from the faith. They're walking away from our presentation of a weak God. Number two. I love you. I love you. I love you. I promise you I love you. Fragile faith. So we go from tender theology to fragile faith. The Bible says in, in James, one of the verses that um, I love during the good times and I hate during the bad times. You ever, you ever have those verses? Where it says, count it all a joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of many kinds, I don't want to. Why? Why do I have to go through all this trial? Why do I have to go through all this stuff, God? For the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Y'all getting that? Lacking in nothing. Crazy. Lacking in nothing. And what I believe is that when we have this presentation of a weak God... We end up living out fragile faith. So write this down. Fragile faith goes through stuff, right? Fragile faith goes through stuff. But real faith grows through stuff. We're people that, that our citizenship isn't here on this earth. But we live as though, again, putting a natural limitation on a supernatural promise. And when we go through things, it's so devastating. And listen, I don't want to be callous. Some of us are mourning here. Some of us are grieving here. Some of us are dealing with great disappointment. And I get that. But I'm trying to speak life right now that you're not powerless in the moment. You're not powerless in the moment because the testing of your faith will get you to a place where, check it out, you will lack nothing if you allow it to do its work. So I don't just, you don't go through stuff. You grow through stuff. You don't just go through stuff. You grow through stuff. And I think the church has done a poor job of handing us fragile faith rather than real faith. Here's how I know this. If you grew up in church, have you ever heard people say this? You just need to pray harder. You just need to pray harder. 
How bad is that theology? Seriously, pray harder. Like, I was listening to a comedian, and he was asking, how does Superman pray faster? You've seen him, he just, he just goes. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, how does a person pray harder when you're sitting there, you have some hands on somebody, you just go. <laughs> how does one pray harder? And, and with this fragile faith that we presented in the church, where the Bible says that ask me in my name and I'll give it to you. That I'm a good God that gives good gifts to his children. And sometimes the gift is a no or not yet. So when my kids come to me and they ask me, hey, can I have, can I have some candy? No, you're going to ruin your dessert. I mean, you're going to ruin your dinner, right? <laughs> dessert, you're going to ruin your dessert too. Want a candy bar? There's cheesesteak, cheesecake waiting for us. I'm messing up all foods. I just want all the foods. <laughs> I'm hungry. Right? When they ask me for something and I tell them no, why? Because it's for the good. Or when I say yes, it's for their blessing, Right? But still, when we go to God, we say, pray, pray harder. Now, there's this difference between persistent prayer and repetitive prayer. Okay? And sometimes, like, we're just repetitive and repetitive. We go over and over again as though our whining will help change God's mind. And that's that fragile faith that we're putting out there in a weak God, where the Bible says to approach the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. To be like, hey, God, I need you to move on our behalf. Hey, God, I need you to break some bondage here in Sewell and Pittman, and, 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 and I need you to do it your way. And I'm going to have confidence that you're doing it behind the scenes, and eventually you're going to let us see front row what you're doing here in South Jersey. That's the posture of prayer that I believe makes God smile from ear to ear. That's the posture. That, that's praying in power. But he's like, pray harder. Lord God. He's like, why are you yelling? I'm right here. I'm omnipresent. <laughs> I'm right here. Why are you yelling? But that's that fragile faith. Last thing, it's scared spirituality. Scared spirituality. Again, we're so afraid. Within the context of Christianity, ain't that crazy? When we just read that he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, and we're so afraid, we're so afraid, I can't, I can't do this and I can't do that. And limitation, 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 limitation. Rather than, I believe, like, what about the posture of there's a guy named Jonathan in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. I love this. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts because he, he's about to go into war. And all it is is him and his armor bearer. He's about to go to war. And this is his posture in verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be. That the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. He was like, hey, I don't even know what's going to happen. But whatever God can do with a million dollars, he could do with a dollar. I don't know what could happen. Whatever God could do with a hundred people, he could do with two people. I don't know. Maybe God's going to move on our behalf. Maybe he's not. But to me, that's not scared spirituality, folks. That's faith in a mighty God. They weren't putting faith in themselves. They weren't putting faith in the situation. And if you know anything about back then, that, that ancient war, like they were up, they were up on, the, on, on the hill. They, were, they had an advantage already, but they said, let's go do it anyway. Come on. But yet we're so hesitant. Well, I can't talk to that person. I can't do this. I can't do that. Why? Why? Do you serve a powerful God or not? And so to close it up, I just want to challenge this. 
and tell you that I was reminded when I was away to believe it or not, as much as a, a confident person I, I, I present myself to be, passionate person I present myself to be, I want to publicly repent that I have at times lived out, I haven't preached it, but I lived out tender theology, fragile faith, and scared spirituality, that I've toned down the power of God in my life and limited the power of God in my life. And here's why. You ready? I limited the power of God in my life to make limited people comfortable. Because I'm scared. I'm scared. You, you might leave. Right? You, you might not like me. You might not do this. And I've toned it down. And, and I remember when, uh, young in my faith, I was stupid. I was, I, man, if there was cancer, we would lay hands on it. I had stupid faith. I had, I, there was one moment in my life where I was giving half my paycheck to the church. Stupid faith. Forget scared faith. Stupid faith. And, just, and I'm not asking you to do anything out of stupid stupidity or being clumsy with it. But where's the level of faith? Are you scared or are you empowered? And for me, I, I was toning everything down. Can't be too creative. It's going to make religious people uncomfortable. Can't be too passionate, passionate because it's going to make, you know, real conservative people uncomfortable. And I've toned it down, and I regret, I regret, and I took for granted the power of God because I wanted to make limited people uncomfortable, but we live and serve an unlimited God. So isn't it no wonder that the creator of the universe gave us the commission, ready for this one? He says, to sing to me a new song, which means we have the creative capacity to give him a new song every single day. Because he's empowered us to do so. He's empowered you to be a witness to the ends of the earth, to the uttermost parts of the earth. That means that, that crack houses and, and, and you know, prostitution rings and, and wherever you think is the darkest part, that for us to really believe that light will always pierce the darkness. For us to always believe that. To us to always believe that, that, that the life that we have coming out of our tongues can stop someone from committing suicide. Because it can so I repent publicly from turning down, turning down the power of God just to make some limited people comfortable. I repent, and I'm asking you to do the same. I'm asking you to do the same because I wonder, I wonder that if we really presented this power to our society well, I wonder, could we possibly get it to a place where it actually takes more faith for an atheist to be an atheist than it is for a Christian to be a Christian. Because I've seen the evidence. If science says I need to see the evidence and I need to prove it, if the church started living in the power of God, I wonder, will it take more faith for an atheist to be an atheist than for a Christian to be a Christian? I just wonder. I take the power of God for granted. And as for me and my house, no more. Amen? Let's stand up.